0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Model 3 is a finalist for Motor Trend's coveted Car of the Year award but does not win, but we do get some good news out of it. Plus, a couple new Tesla Semi updates, good news on the Model 3 battery production front, news on TeslaCon, and more. Welcome, friends. It is Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast episode number 122 for December 3rd, 2017. And December means that a decent number of you out there are going to be getting your Model 3s this month. How exciting is that? That is great. Also, you're going to get the tax credit no matter what. Still no update on what is happening with the tax credit, uh, although supposedly that budget was getting voted on Tonight, uh, as I'm recording it, 10:19 p.m. It's Pacific time here on uh, Friday, December 1st. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully, I guess by next week's show, I'll probably have some sort of update on what's going on with the tax credit. But in any case, uh, it is good to be back here. I had a wonderful Thanksgiving vacation uh, to the beach. I cannot complain. Our uh, my my wife's brother, my brother-in-law, and his family. Kindly took us as well as my uh, mother and father-in-law with them on, on this trip, and we all had a really, really great time uh, away from home on a, on a nice uh, nice spot to to spend Thanksgiving together. So I'm very grateful for that, although it was my first time... Away from Daisy, so I was kind. I was pretty worried before I left. Like, oh man, how's she gonna go? We just sort of started to turn the corner on potty training and just regular training we've been getting going on. We're in the middle of a training class, and I thought, oh, she'll probably regress a little bit and pee a bu- pee in the house a bunch for the the uh, the house sitter that was staying with her, a friend of mine. But she did very well. She did great. Only had like one accident in the house the whole time. So that was that was really good. And man, it, it was. Good to get home and back to her, and now she is snoring away. We had a busy day. She had a puppy play group today. Lost her first tooth. I have this little, this little uh, eye tooth right here, uh, right here on my desk. But anyway, uh, that is enough of me. Let's get to Tesla, of course, and we start with uh, something you may have heard online about, and if you haven't, I want to tell you a little bit about it here. TeslaCon. This is a uh, an online conference being put together by Ben Sullins, who has become a friend of mine. Uh, ben runs the Tesla channel, Teslanomics, where he takes a very sort of economics-focused approach to the world of Tesla. You know, it's obviously very different than what I'm doing uh, and what other people are doing. So uh, he, th- this is sort of up his alley. He wanted to put this together, and he very, very kindly asked me to be a part of it uh, so I did want to mention it here. I'm gonna be giving a a talk on there. So what what it is basically he so from per the per the website, which by the way is Teslacon.online. If you type that in, that'll take you to the site. TeslaCon is the world's first ever web conference for the Tesla and EV community. Interact directly with your favorite YouTubers through community-driven QA and discussion. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's being put on by Ben. And he, Ben, by the way, if, if you may have heard his name and, and aren't quite sure why, uh, he sort of got himself in the Tesla news a little bit recently because uh, he managed to be the, the first one that, it, that I know of, and that as far as another first publicly confirmed person to reach uh, all, was it 55 referrals? And Ben has scored himself a free founder series next generation tesla roadster so um he's going to be on the show next week because i want to i want to bring him on and have him tell you a little bit more about TeslaCon and just about him and what he's doing on his channel as well so we we really hit it off uh, when we met up which was back at the the vip factory tour in early june if you remember that with the franz von holzhausen q and a Uh, got together with Ben and some of the other sort of Tesla enthusiast folks out there. And uh, Ben Ben does great stuff and he's a good guy. So I was uh, very flattered and honored that he asked me to be a part of it. It's happening, by the way, over uh, Friday, Saturday. It's December 15th and 16th again. So uh, if you end up checking out the website, which again is teslacon.online, and you decide you'd like to register for it and check it out, I want to mention you can use the coupon code RTL20, all one one word, all one thing together there. RTL20, and it'll get you 20% off of your all access pass. Now, as for me, I'm kicking around a couple of ideas for my talk, uh, which is going to be at 12 noon Pacific time on day two, which is Saturday the 16th. Right now, the one I've been thinking about. And if you listen to episode one of this podcast, you got a sort of small version of this. But, uh, you know, I, there aren't a lot of things in this world that I can call myself an expert on. Tesla, I, you know, I'm if I'm not an expert, I'm right on the cusp. Uh, and the reason I say that, I don't want to give myself too much credit because I don't actually own one yet. So I don't necessarily want to call myself an expert. I'm, I'm a very uh highly motivated and highly uh observant enthusiast whether I'm an expert I'm not quite sure but I'm definitely a, a DeLorean expert and I've mentioned here and there some interesting little similarities between the companies but uh the, the the topic the sort of uh name of the talk that I'm considering giving is how Tesla succeeded where DeLorean failed the strange similarities and differences between America's last two major startup automakers. Um, because they are. DeLorean was, before Tesla was founded in 2003, DeLorean Motor Company was the last major automotive st- uh, startup in the United States. And uh, yeah, I seem to be drawn to them, but uh, I promise if you decide to take part in this and check it out, I promise you'll learn something, and hopefully you'll be at least a little bit entertained by my talk and if you don't learn anything or, or you're not entertained by me there are uh, plenty of other great people there that uh, that hopefully you will be entertained and informed by so again look for ben on the show next week we'll talk a little bit about his channel we'll talk a little bit about uh tesla and we'll certainly i'm going to ask him about the roadster and you know how the heck he did he got he, he won it He built up that many referrals, and by the way, he got to go, he got a test ride, because he went to the unveiling event, the Tesla Semi Unveil, so uh, he got to, uh, well, he'll be the first person that I talk to that's actually been in the car, so stay tuned for that next week. Now, let's move forward here with the week's Tesla news, and I kick off with uh, what is the biggest thing in a somewhat quiet week, and that is the Motor Trend Car of the Year Award. Model 3 did not win, though it was a finalist. Uh, the new Alfa Romeo Giulia, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, that is the vehicle that won. But uh, Motor Trend did this week publish an article on the Model 3, and they're sort of first... They, they took it out to the track and hooked the V-Box up, hooked up all kinds of testing equipment, ran, got a bunch of numbers, got a bunch of impressions... So uh, on the braking of the Model 3, Motor Trend says on the cooling laps between acceleration assaults, Chris, who's one of the uh, staff at Motor Trend, Chris inserts emergency brake stops. His best in the Model 3 at 119 feet is essentially identical to the 121 for the Model S, which is 532 pounds heavier that stands on uh, 0.4 inch wider rubber. Very precise Breaking so, I, I break out that sort of otherwise isolated and random bit there specifically because they do provide the context for what that means. That is saying that despite the lack of power and the well the relative lack of uh, let's just say less power than the Model S and the fact that it is uh, the- supposed to be a a lesser car than the Model S and at least you know is in the safety department. It stops in the in the same amount of time, uh, despite the Model S having some advantages there. So that's good news. Now, uh, how about the handling? You're going to like this. You know. Now uh, you remember I got to spend a couple hours in the Model Three, and I told you my thoughts on the handling, uh, which Motor Trend does not uh, disagree with. They're very much on the same page. They say of the handling, quote. The car's low battery location, fast steering, and firm springing give it a go-kart quality, and it quickly points to the right with a fraction of the expected body roll. So that's awesome, too. So, you know, this is an enthusiast, probably the premier enthusiast automotive uh, publication uh, out there. They're testing all kinds of cars from, you know, little Ford Focuses and Honda Civics all the way up to Bugatti Veyrons and uh, Ferrari LaFerraris, Ferraris, and they're you know they've got some nice things to say about the handling of the Model 3. Now they also clocked the Model 3 at zero to sixty in 4.8 seconds. That is nearly half a second better than what Tesla advertises at. at pardon me, advertises it at. So you have to wonder if again. Is it possible? Is it certainly possible? But is Tesla uh, a little, a little uh, underselling the Model Three on purpose a bit here, in order to again not quite, you know, just separate it from the Model S. Four point eight seconds, and then again, that's the long range battery. We've been told the uh, sh- the standard battery, which obviously nobody's seen or driven yet, will be a, a couple tenths slower than that, but. If that applies, if that same, uh, if Tesla's being pessimistic, or, or should I say maybe conservative on the on the zero to sixty time for the long range battery, that means the standard battery that could could uh, be five seconds, but like five flat, rather than like five four, which is what it's rated at by Tesla. So that also, by the way, for those of you like me who are holding out for the dual motor version of the car, that bodes very well for the all wheel drive. Model three. Because, you know, there are granted there are no specs for that currently, but when when you look at the Model S, it's a you know only about two tenths of a second quicker to 60 than the rear wheel drive, though it's now discontinued the rear wheel drive Model S. So uh I wonder if if the if the all-wheel drive model three could get down to four six, maybe even four five, which would be pretty darn impressive at that point that's i mean if that were to be the case that would be inching very close to the original p85 which five years ago was a hundred thousand dollar car so that's great stuff uh the model three four motor trend ran the quarter mile in 13.4 seconds at 104.9 miles per hour now, as far as the Model Three not winning and the Alfa Romeo taking home the trophy, I saw a lot of complaining online about this, uh, in the sense that some folks, some people, were saying, "Oh, it's because Tesla doesn't advertise," and the, you know, the inference that this was some sort of payola kind of thing between the you know the car companies that do advertise and and Motor Trend, and uh, it's funny. I I feel like I on enthusiast forums, of which I primarily spend uh, them on Tesla on Tesla forums, but you know places like Electric, where where you know other com- other not commenters are are not necessarily Tesla people are are chiming in with this kind of stuff from time to time. You know, I read this a lot about car magazines, car publications, in particular, like that. That industry, the automotive enthusiast media, seems to be tagged with this reputation. And while I can't say for sure one way or the other, what I can tell you is uh, I spent 10 years working in the enthusiast video game magazine space, and I'm now uh, 15 years into the enthusiast video game business, uh, you know, the last five of which online with IGN. And that whole thing of like, oh, you know, it, uh, you only gave it a good score because uh, you got paid off by the advertiser, that, that still gets floated around in our world too. But what I can tell you is with full certainty that this, this kind of thing, that, it just does not happen, ever. In the video game space, it's it's never happened in my 15 years in uh, at at either any of the companies I've worked for, and that leads me to believe that it probably doesn't happen in the automotive enthusiast media space either. You know, Motor Trend has their reasons, I'm sure, uh, for for choosing the Alpha Romeo over the Model Three. Uh, they, you know. They did take, the thing is they've been kind to Tesla in the past. Motor Trend specifically has been, has had a lot of nice things to, to say about Tesla in the past from the unanimous, remember it was unanimous 2013 car of the year award for the Model S up right on up to the present. You know, they said a lot of nice things about the Model 3 on that initial test drive after the, you know, at the July 28th unveiling, they've said a lot of nice stuff about Tesla over the years. Uh, you know, and, and quite frankly, I'm sure the Alfa Romeo is an excellent car in its own right. And uh, the thing is, as of my recording time here on Friday night, Motor Trend had not yet published their online article discussing the head-to-head decision, you know, putting the context between why was the Alfa chosen versus why was the Model 3 not chosen. I suspect that article will probably be in the magazine, or maybe it will hit their website, uh, next week or the week after something like that. I mean, I, I've got, I've got no problem with motor trend going with the alpha. You know, I'm not, I don't suddenly feel worse about my intended model three purchase. It has no bearing on my enthusiasm for the model three, uh, or, or my sort of trust that Tesla, my faith that Tesla is going to, build me a wonderful car but what i will say and yes i'm obviously a tesla super fan when i say this i suspect that the model 3 is going to end up being the far more talked about car in 2018 the far more important car for the future of the automotive industry in 2018 and the far better selling car of 2018 but you know Say la vie, right? So, uh, speaking of the Model 3, quick call here from Leon in Denver, who responds to my complaints about the lack of certain convenience knobs and buttons in the car. Uh, Leon's got an idea for how the Model 3 might address that in a sensible way. So, uh, while we're talking Model 3, let's hear from Leon. Go ahead.
1: Hey Ryan, it's Leon from Denver. Uh, first time. I uh, just wanted to call and suggest that you were talking about the Model Three's lack of knobs again on this last episode. And the caller had suggested that it would be voice-activated commands. And I would like to call and suggest that uh, what Tesla needs to do. And you know, I don't have any ability to call them and tell them this. So maybe you know somebody over there. And realistically, I'm sure they're so far ahead of us, it doesn't even matter. Um, when you use a voice command to get to a menu, that menu would then activate the two knobs on the steering wheel and you can make your adjustments. You can call for mirrors, you can call for windows, you can call for your cruise control. I mean, whatever you would like to adjust, you voice command to the menu and now those two knobs are activated for that specific task. Just an idea, and uh, I was one of the people standing in line on the first day and I've got reservations for two The first one, because I need one immediately. And uh, the second one, because I want the four-wheel drive with the air suspension. Go figure. Thank you. Keep on doing what you're doing.
0: Thanks for calling in, Leon. And uh, your first call to this podcast is a fantastic one, sir, because this is a great idea. This is exactly the kind of easy, reliable, voice-driven menu shortcut that would make it much simpler to adjust things like your side view mirrors or the tilt and telescopic steering wheel adjustment while you're moving. I love this. And I suspect you're right that Tesla probably is 10 steps ahead of us. But I know that there are Tesla employees from many different disciplines at the company who listen to this podcast. So hopefully the right software person hears it and takes note of it in the probably unlikely event that it's not already on their software feature roadmap. So thank you so much, Leon. Moving on with the rest of this week's Tesla news, a couple of quick semi-truck updates. Number one, DHL, who is uh, probably, and I I don't say this insultingly, but think of them, the DHL, probably the sprint to uh, UPS and FedEx's Verizon and AT&T in the uh, package shipping world, they are purchasing ten Tesla semis. The Wall Street Journal reports that quote DHL Supply Chain, which handles logistics operations for retailers and manufacturers, intends to use the heavy duty Tesla trucks for shuttle runs and same day customer deliveries in major U.S. cities. The company said Tuesday. DHL also plans to test the electric trucks on longer runs and to evaluate its impact on driver safety and comfort. So this brings the total number of known semi-orders up to over 200 now, and at an average of, oh, let's say 170,000 a pop, since they're supposed to be going between 150 and 200K, uh, the founder series going for the full 200K, that is a nice chunk of change in Tesla's pockets, uh, not necessarily tomorrow, because you don't have to put the full amount of money down. But that is going to be that represents about 34 million dollars of revenue for Tesla. And by the way, if uh, I know Eric in Australia uh, heard that, because I believe I hope I'm I hope I'm remembering the right uh, person, the right uh, person in the semi industry who called in about this. I think it was Eric in Australia who had suggested that uh, the Tesla Semi would be super, super useful, if not straight targeted at uh, intra-city deliveries. And that's exactly what Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal is reporting with regard to DHL's plans. Intends to use the heavy-duty Tesla trucks for shuttle runs and same-day customer deliveries in major U.S. cities. So, uh, see, my audience is full of very, very smart people who know their industries that they are in, and they know they uh, they are they are wise people, all of you, uh, and that's why the ride the lightning hotline section is always so great. And I will, and I like to try and dip into it when it's relevant during the main news portion of the show. It breaks things up a little bit. We get to hear from some other smart people, uh, not just me pretending to be smart. Uh, anyway, the other update about the Tesla Semi. Now, in a move that will probably not surprise anyone who's been following Tesla for a while, uh, they, in fact, the company, Tesla, will be its own first customer with the Semi. Jerome Guillen, who you remember from the Tesla Semi unveiling event not so long ago, he is heading up the Semi truck program at Tesla. Uh, In fact, I'll let Jerome explain it in his own words. Jerome?
2: we will be, Tesla will be the first
3: customer uh, for its own truck, for the truck. So we will use our own trucks to carry cargo in the US between our different facilities. Uh, We have an assembly factory in California, we have a battery factory in Nevada. So we'll use our truck to carry the things in between. And uh, uh, once things are good in the US, then we'll expand to Europe. Don't ask me for a specific timing, but we'll do it as soon as possible. Because I know some of you are very eager to get their track here, and we'll
0: do everything possible. So I looked it up, and it is only 259 miles between the Tesla factory in Fremont and the Gigafactory 1 in Sparks, Nevada, outside of Reno. Uh, I, I, For some reason, I don't know, I would have expected it, I would have guessed it to be heck of a lot farther than that, even though I know, of course, the California and Nevada are neighbors. But uh, that means I would think that the Semi could easily make it uh, one way on a single charge, even with the elevation changes from Donner Pass in there, uh, even with extreme heat conditions in the desert, even with extreme cold conditions possible in the mountains in winter, etc. So my advice, by the way, here is... If you want to get a look at the very first Tesla semis on the road, you should probably plan to stake out that stretch of Interstate 80 between Fremont and Reno sometime in 2019 when uh, Tesla starts building the first trucks. Uh, by the way, Jerome talked to, he mentioned a couple of other tiny little nuggets about the semi that we hadn't heard before. He said that the Tesla Semi offers a 360-degree view camera uh, all around the vehicle in order to eliminate blind spots. And also, like the Model 3, the Tesla Semi doesn't have a key, and instead it uses your smartphone as a key. So the phone thing is no surprise. That seems to be the way that Tesla is going. But I think it's very cool to hear about the 360-degree camera views, and to that effect, I, I would expect the same those same 360 degree cameras to show up on the S and the X in the not too distant future. I mean that's just that is a thing that certain luxury cars do have, and that is a way that uh, Tesla can put something cool and useful, uh, and it's it's even arguably a safety feature on the S and the X to again further separate it. From the Model 3. In fact, I'll bet I'll bet uh, for 200 grand, I would think the Roadster. Even though the Roadster is going to be the smallest car in Tesla's active lineup, small it'd be the, smaller than everything except the original Roadster. But you know, for 200 grand, 200 to 250 k, I would think that the Roadster is going to be getting 360 degree cameras as well of course that's not for a few years yet you know we're looking at 2020 for the Tesla Roadster although more likely you know you build in probably expect 2021 and if it hits 2020 be pleasantly surprised of course it's <laughs> only if you really I don't know if you'd necessarily need to be happy about it or sad about it unless you actually were reserving one which I'm sure there's a few of you out there who either have done so or will do so Next this week, Elon Musk's nights of sleeping on the roof of the Gigafactory have hopefully come to an end as a very trusted source reports that Model 3 battery production is about to spike at the Gigafactory. That very trusted source? Well, it would be none other than Tesla's own battery partner, Panasonic. Panasonic chief executive Kazuhiro Tsuga said during an earnings call that he expects the issue with the battery packs will be fixed soon. That This is coming via Reuters, via Electrek, where uh, Tsuga says, this process for battery packs will soon be automated, and then the number of vehicles to be produced will rise sharply, though as Electrek notes, he refused to confirm a timeline for any expected volume, but uh, it sounds like the light at the end of the tunnel is near there, and this is obviously good news and by the way it gels with the invites going out to those first batch that first wave of non-tesla employees for model 3 configuration so hopefully we're continuing to ascend level by level out of elon musk's production hell uh as as elon has repeatedly described it maybe we're up to level 4 or so maybe even level 3 who knows uh remember too we're only a month away from the next official update from Tesla on Model 3 production. They had promised something in the very beginning of January when they give updates on, uh, you know, usually they, they preempt the, the actual sort of, certainly the, the shareholder results, but they'll issue a statement uh, with delivery numbers and, and uh, sometimes a little more information than that. So we'll be staying tuned for that in about four weeks' time from right now couple of little things to finish up on well actually now we got a few more so the hornsdale power reserve in southern australia that is the home of the big old power pack project that elon set up with the australian government via twitter if you remember that that where he said hey we'll do it in 100 days or it'll be free well they did it and it's online and it works It is now online uh, delivering 100 megawatts of stored wind-generated power. So all I really want to say about that is let this be an example to everyone else and hopefully the first of many, many more projects like this. I mean, certainly a a high-profile one. Hopefully Tesla is able to uh, get the support of the Puerto Rican government in in rebuilding their power infrastructure in a sustainable way that tesla can hopefully uh, assist with there so we'll see and let's see just a couple nuggets left for my very small so far handful of model 3 owners in my audience you probably already knew this but a software update has gone out over the past few days and added a couple new features for you First, you've got FM radio now. Yes, FM radio lives. It, it is. It is in your vehicle. Also, uh, an odometer reading, tire pressure monitoring display, and the uh, the sort of comfort mode, the easy ingress egress, where the where you whether when you get in or get out of the car, uh, you know, turning it on or shutting it off. The uh, steering wheel moves forward you know away from you and the seat moves back to to create the maximum you know the, the largest sort of space available for you to get in or out of your car. So those those are all those bits are all now part of Model 3 which uh, for the rest of us which is probably 99.5% of the audience at this point waiting on Model 3s it just means that those features will be there as soon as we take delivery of our cars so a couple a couple nice new little things to look forward to there. Before I wrap up on uh, this segment, we are on the topic of Model 3, so let me take one more Ride the Lightning hotline call on the subject of Model 3. And this gentleman is an anonymous caller, but he is reacting to my pre-delivery checklist that I gave out. You know, again, that just just some ideas from me to you. Uh, certainly nothing set in stone, no, no obligation from anybody, but just some things I've been thinking about. Well, this gentleman... Uh, has a sort of uh, a cautionary tale, a word of warning, something else to put on your Model 3 pre-delivery checklist. So, anonymous gentlemen, take it away.
4: Hi, Ryan. One thing to add to your Model 3 checklist is to be absolutely certain your finances are in place. I attempted to purchase a CPO Tesla, and after placing my $1,000 deposit, discovered a lot of recent problems with my credit. For the first time in my life, I wasn't able to obtain a loan, even with a good down payment and FICO score and I lost my $1,000 deposit. If this had been a Model 3, I would have lost the $3,500 required deposit, which is indeed non-refundable. One difficulty with Tesla is that the deposit to delivery time is longer than the normal auto loan approval window. So if you're not able to pay in full with cash, please be extra certain of your credit situation.
0: This is a great point to make, actually. Thank you very, very much for calling in. First. Let me say that I'm extremely sorry to hear that this happened to you. I hope you're able to get things smoothed out pretty soon and, and get behind the wheel of a Tesla to finish that quest that you've you've already started and that you're you're so close to completing. And and yes, you know it's it's definitely a good thing to check on your credit score, make sure your debts are minimized or eliminated, et cetera. Before it's time to make this huge purchase, I mean, you know, it's a car for most people. I think it's fair to say is usually about the what the second biggest purchase you ever make. You know, your cars after a home. So, uh, sound advice there. Thank you very much. And just one last thing, not a Steve Jobsian one more thing, but one one last little interesting tidbit before I break. Before uh, the ride the lightning hotline segment of the show, Elon Musk has uh, been reasonably quiet on Twitter, at least as far as things that are relevant to this podcast go. But this I thought was was interesting. Uh, he is going to shoot his original Tesla Roadster, which I presume is VIN number one, into space. Check out this tweet from Elon he says Falcon Heavy to launch next month from Apollo 11 pad at the Cape will have double thrust of next largest rocket guaranteed to be exciting one way or another payload will be my midnight cherry Tesla Roadster playing space oddity so he's gonna have that cute on the sound system looping in the car destination is Mars orbit will be in deep space for a billion years or so if it doesn't blow up on ascent. This is somehow the most Elon Musk thing in my opinion that Elon Musk has ever done. I wonder if everyone else at SpaceX just looks at him like he's insane when he proposes this or if if they're just they just totally roll with it and don't even flinch at this point. I mean, you know, th- th- there are worse things you could aim at Mars. So why not, you know, why not the uh, the electric vehicle, one of the very first builds of the electric vehicle that that started what will hopefully culminate in a society-changing movement to sustainable uh, energy transportation. So um, may <laughs> Godspeed for, <laughs> for Elon Musk's uh tesla roadster all right i've got a number of excellent calls queued up in the ride the lightning hotline what we got here one two three four five six of them in addition to the couple good ones you've already heard so stay tuned for that right after this Time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, where it's your questions, your comments, your discussion topics. A reminder to participate, I encourage you to do so. You can either uh, pull out your smartphone, use the built-in voice recorder, record something, and email me that file to teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can give me a call on the toll-free Ride the Lightning Hotline, where you just call in and leave a message anytime, day or night, And uh, that toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. If you're interested, visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's go to Matt in Fremantle, Western Australia, reacting to the next generation Tesla Roadster. Matt, go ahead.
3: Hey Ryan, this is Matt from Fremantle in Western Australia, and oh my god, just wow, the 2020 Roadster looks amazing. I mean, who really needs a house anyway. I can just live in that moving piece of artwork. It's cheaper than a house too. Elon is a gamer. And he must add that car to Project Cars 2, Forza Motorsport 7, or Gran Turismo Sports right away. I own a PlayStation Pro, a Logitech G29 wheel, and a PlayStation VR. Can you imagine how incredible it would be to sit in that Roadster in virtual reality and zoom around famous tracks? Though I might spend the first track just sitting still and ooing and aahing at the interior. Please let me know the second this happens. Also... Can you drive the P100D in any video games? I'd love to try that out virtually as well. I live in Fremantle, which is a port city here in Western Australia. There are trucks constantly travelling along our roads. They stink, they make a lot of noise that I do not enjoy. We have thousands of trucks driving across Australia from Sydney to Fremantle to other cities. And there's no shortage of sun in Australia. We'd be the perfect country for Elon to set up his mega chargers in. There's also not much in the middle of Australia because it's just too hot and there's not enough water. Unmanned, solar-powered mega chargers would be perfect for this environment. Do you know if any of the solar-powered mega chargers or the superchargers are going to be unmanned? I mean, I know that most of them are manned at the moment, the superchargers, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense when it's really isolated, in my opinion. always have staff on there. Thanks for doing Unlocked, Unfiltered, and this great Tesla podcast. Matt from Fremantle in Western Australia.
0: Matt, thank you for bringing up the video game side of this, because even though it's my day job, I somehow hadn't thought about the new Roadster in that context yet. So to answer your question, by the way, the P100D has not found its way into any of the new racing games yet, which is kind of astounding considering that there were a startling number of racing games released this year. Uh, Usually you get one or two, but this year there were a ton. Forza Motorsport 7, Gran Turismo Sport, Project Cars 2, Need for Speed Payback, Gear Club Unlimited, Dirt 4, F1 2017. Okay, those last two probably wouldn't have a tesla in them because they don't really use street cars but there are some other ones by the way too that i didn't even mention that aren't quite as simulationy they're a little more arcadey now the roadster will have to happen the game developers just there's no way they can ignore this car because it's already generated so many headlines and so much buzz but i think they're gonna want to ignore it and the reason the reason i'll get to in a second and uh I wanted to mention that I I will see what I can do which I don't take that as anything I'm not I'm not really boasting here but you know I'll, I'll see what I can do for Forza Horizon 4 which is the game that I assume keyword assume will be coming to the Xbox and the PC in 2018 because Forza has has released like Clockwork one year in the fall it's Forza Motorsport. The next year in the fall, it's Forza Horizon. Then the following year, back to Motorsport. Then back to Horizon. They alternate, and they have done so like clockwork for a number of years now. So I presume we are going to get Forza Horizon four in fall of 2018. But uh, the thing is, I happen to know the developers of that game reasonably well. There are fantastic guys, I might add. the 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 team, the number of the team that I've met. They are great. They're over in Royal Leamington Spa. For my UK listeners, if you happen to know Royal Leamington Spa, one of the greatest, uh, well, in my, in my opinion, the greatest racing game development team in video games in the world lives there, and it's Playground Games. Uh, so anyway, the point I was starting to make earlier is, is the fact that what's hilarious is that the reason that I think developers might not want to put the Roadster in is because it's, I feel like that car will, will literally be like a cheat code in the game because of the specifications it has that are just so far above and beyond anything else on the road and anything else that would thus be in these games. Like, it's going i would think it would basically break the game like it would be impossible to beat someone in a multiplayer race when they're using that car and they're a semi competent driver basically you know somebody that's not slamming into walls or into a, a opposing traffic or veering off the road like in a in a, in a competent video game player's hands the next gen roadster i would think would be almost unstoppable in in any racing video game. Uh so yeah, I'm going to stay I'm going to be asking the the developers about that and we'll we'll see what's doing I'll, and I'll report back anything I can. Uh, also to your question about the Mega Chargers, man, those things, I'll tell you, they're going to be putting out so much juice that I wonder if they'll even be able to be fully solar, you know, out in the out in the wild like in the middle of the interstate somewhere. I hope so. Uh I, I kind of want to learn more about that. I'm going to see if I can look more into it but excellent call matt thank you so much by the way you i'm guessing matt that you're a quite a you would have to be if you're calling in and asking me about video games i suspect you already have and love forza horizon 3 given that it's not only it's a an amazing video game but b it's set in australia so uh it i would if you do not already own forza horizon 3 Please pick it up. Uh, again, it's, they have. if you've got a decent gaming PC, you can play it there. If you've got an Xbox One, it is, of course, uh, on there as well. Next up is Dave from Jacksonville, who notes uh, he wants to talk about side view mirrors or the lack of them on various prototype Tesla vehicles. Uh, he's got a, he throws in an Arrow Wheels Model 3 question as well. So, Dave, take it away.
5: Hi, this is Dave from Jacksonville,
1: Florida. The first Model X had no side view mirrors. These two new vehicles have no side view mirrors. Do the the designers just forget about this detail? Or is this something that's actually going to happen this time? If the Model 3 aero wheels improved performance by 10%, what would the improvement be if we got rid of the side view mirrors? Thank you. I hope you can discuss this.
0: Thanks for the call, Dave. Now, the designers definitely aren't forgetting the, uh, the mirrors, that much is for sure. But instead, the mirror thing, the lack thereof, is their optimistic ideal. Now, I can actually answer your question about the mirror's effect on range because this was discussed in detail in the Tesla community following the Model X prototype reveal that you, in fact... Cited, and the answer appears to be about five percent difference in range. That's what effect the mirrors seem to to be able to have, give or take, depending if they're there or not. And personally speaking, uh, given that I just think, given that no other car company besides Tesla is making any noise about removing side view mirrors on cars, I just I, I doubt that any legitimate movement is going to be made on that front anytime soon from a legislative perspective. I would love to be proven wrong on that, but we shall see. Dave, thank you for the call. Let's move now to Grant up in Minneapolis, who has been studying his Model 3 owner's manual, which uh, you know made its way onto the internet in PDF form. It, he's uh, He wants to talk about battery care. So Grant, take it away.
2: Hey Ryan, it's Grant from Minneapolis calling in again. I've been reading the Model 3 user manual and I've been wondering about winter weather. In the manual it states, For better long-term performance, avoid exposing Model 3 to ambient temperatures above 140 degrees Fahrenheit or below negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit for more than 24 hours at a time. While we've generally been seeing warmer winters, it's not uncommon for Minnesota to have multi-day stretches with the high temperatures only reaching negative 20 to negative 15 at the peak of the day. Nighttime temperatures still go well into the negative 20s or even negative 30s. My parents used to plug in oil pan heaters to help their cars start in the winter. It seems to me that since we're always charging our cars at night, we could use some of that stored power to generate heat to protect the battery. I've seen that the Model 3 has vents under the nose of the car to cool the battery, but the Teslas have any way to keep the battery warm to protect itself when they're in these extreme temperatures.
0: Thank you for the call, Grant. And the good news is that, yes, Teslas can indeed heat their own batteries. I believe the user manual there is referring to leaving the car unplugged in those conditions for extended durations. If it's plugged in, it's going to use some of that juice to regulate the battery temperature. This applies to hot climates as well, like the summertime in my former home state of Arizona, for instance. Do note, though, that the use of that power uh, to, in your case, to warm up the battery while it's charging, meaning that it will take longer to charge your car. The cold weather itself negatively uh, affects that charge rate as well. So hopefully you're going to have a garage or an enclosed space to store your Model 3, but regardless, do remember at least, that you'll be able to use, the Tesla smartphone app, to get the interior, nice and comfortable for you, prior to getting in the car, if if all else fails, you've got the smartphone app, to make the the passenger experience, nice and toasty, even if the car itself, (laughs) is still a bit chilly, uh, battery wise, three more calls this week, next up, Dylan from Louisville, wants to talk Model 3, depreciation so let's hear from dylan
6: hey Ryan, this is uh dylan booker from uh, louisville kentucky um i emailed you a few weeks back um i'm not sure if your system is set up to receive text uh, so i'd figure i'd give this another shot um i was hoping to get your thoughts on model three depreciation uh, in regards to the tesla ride sharing network um how long do you think it'll take for us to see used Model 3s on the road, uh, you know, for a competitive price? Uh, my research has shown that it's probably going to be about 100,000 miles uh, to bump about 50% of the pr- a purchase price off of a Model 3. Uh, and how do you think the ride-sharing network will uh, will get Teslas on uh, into consumers' hands uh, quicker than they would probably be able to... Uh, uh, save up the money. Uh, I thought this might be a good t- topic of conversation. Uh, I don't see many people talking about it. Uh, congratulations on your new puppy, and uh, hope to hear from you. Thanks.
0: Thank you for the kind words, Dylan. I would use the Model S depreciation history as a guide here. Not not as a gospel, but as a good starting point. And by that metric, I'm, I'm not even sure it'd take 100,000 miles to get down uh, 50%. Uh, and I'll tell you, if I take my fanboy hat off for a moment, I don't see the Tesla network factoring into anything for at least a few years, if not four or five years from now. I do believe it will happen. I have no doubt about that. Uh, again, that's with, with Elon Musk. Uh, never doubt Elon Musk. But it's nearly 2018 now. And we haven't even seen the cross-country level four demo yet. So uh, the Tesla network is many is a major steps beyond that, uh, beyond the certainly beyond the demo, just it, beyond the just the, the rollout of actual fleet-wide level four. So uh, I think it's going to be some time there. I don't think that's going to be able to impact anything uh, in the in the immediate future. So. I, I wouldn't put any meeting, meaningful predictions or value assessments into the car based on that as of now. Two more calls. Let's go to Robert in Redondo Beach, who is having trouble trying to decide what color to get his Model 3 in. This is obviously a super subjective thing, but he does bring up something that may be uh, good info for other people as well. So, Robert, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. It's uh,
4: Robert. From Redondo Beach, eagerly waiting for my Model Three, and my first day uh line waiter, I guess you want to call it. Uh but I do have an issue. I'm uh I'm trying to decide between the uh colors I want for my model three, and I was really sold on the metallic silver uh that I saw during the Model Three reveal. Uh also subsequently at the uh uh Solar City Roof uh introduction at Universal City um amusement park. Uh, I also saw a uh pre production silver model three uh that was uh very beautiful and uh just caught my eye. Uh after seeing the latest model threes uh in metallic silver, not so uh convinced. Could you do uh Do you know of uh, if there's a difference between the pre-production metallic silver that we've been seeing in the reveal and the production metallic silver uh, that we're seeing out in the wild? Thanks much. Love the show. Uh, Any input would uh, help me decide. But uh, I'm noticing a difference between the uh, pre-production metallic silver and the production metallic silver. Thanks much.
0: Hi, Robert. There is a very, very good reason that you're noticing a difference between the silver Model 3 Alpha prototype and the production silver paint. It's because they are quite different. And this, uh, for maybe newer listeners or people that that hadn't uh, heard this, I uh, wanted to, to bring this up. If you have heard this before. Apologize, I will make it fairly quick. But the Alpha prototype has a $10,000 one-off pristine, ridiculous paint job on it. There is just no way that that paint job would ever be offered to Model 3 customers by Tesla. Maybe, and I'm being serious here, maybe that's a thing they might offer on the next-gen Roadster. I mean, when you're up in the $200,000 territory, I could see... Uh, Plenty of those customers may be wanting to go the extra mile and get a $10,000 paint job on it, but uh, I would bet an In-N-Out Burger lunch that that paint option never finds its way to the Model 3 production line. Now, I've had the privilege of seeing that Silver Alpha prototype up close and in person twice, and it is very truly stunning. Now, there's nothing wrong with the production silver that Tesla's been using on the S, the X, and now the three, but obviously it does pale in comparison. In fact, almost literally, it pales in comparison to that uh, $10,000 paint job on the uh, Model 3 Alpha prototype. The good news is, at, l- uh, at least, uh, or at least it's good for what I'm about to say, is that all of the Model 3 colors are already available on the snx so uh, robert i would highly encourage you to find your nearest tesla store which shouldn't be too tough given that you're in redondo beach down there in southern california and i would suggest seeing the paint colors with your own eyes on cars in daylight now sure the colors can and will feel a bit different on the model 3 than they do on the snx for instance my personal opinion and really that's all we have with paint colors there's, it's one of the most subjective things on a car, but I personally think that multi coat red, which I think is stunning, and it's it's what I intend to get on my Model 3. I think the multi coat red looks better on the Model S than it does on the Model X. I also think that the metallic blue that Tesla offers looks better on the Model X than it does. On the model s that's not to say you know either those colors looks bad on the other car but i just i do think that there is a bit of a difference uh what you know what shape of car what car that paint is being applied to but anyway you'll get a pretty good idea before you have to go configure your car in the design studio if you head on out to a tesla store and see some of them for yourself in daylight with your own eyes let me wrap things up here with Ken in Denver, he's been waiting a little while. This call actually dates back a couple weeks. Things have been so busy, haven't been able to get to it. Until now, Ken from Denver, Denver pardon me, wants to talk full self-driving. He's reacting to a couple weeks back when I was wondering, hey, will will Tesla upgrade everybody for free if they, in fact, end up having to? Uh, or would it be maybe just the people that have prepaid the $3,000 for the full self-driving option. So, Ken, you're on the air. Take us home.
5: Hi, Ryan. Ken from Denver calling. I wanted to comment on the full self-driving option. And I think that there's a lot of advantage to Tesla putting as much hardware in terms of processors and uh, sensors in every car that they can. I think uh, if they do that, um, it would simplify the manufacturing process, Um, It would also provide them an after-purchase revenue stream, right, with a phone call you could upgrade to full self-driving, and and you could also, uh, it would help their resale in the CPO program, in addition to the shadow data collection that you mentioned. So I think uh, whether or not you choose the full self-driving, Tesla ought to load up uh, those cars um, so they can attain all those advantages. Thanks for the show. Talk to you soon. Bye.
0: I appreciate the call, Ken. Normally with 99% of companies out there, I would say that the decision would come down purely and squarely to money. You know, what's cheaper for the company to do, right? But Tesla doesn't operate that way. If they determine that it's for the greater good, uh, and by, by that I mean the greater good of the mission statement, sustainable energy, I think they'll make it work. So while well, it seems like most folks I've heard from so far feel like Elon was saying, uh, in fact, that only those who've paid the $3,000 for the full, spe- uh, full self-driving package would get that hardware upgrade if necessary, I do still think that there's legitimate hope that everyone might get upgraded for the very reasons that you cite, Ken. Thank you so much for the call. And again, if you want to participate, I would love for you to do so. You can record a question on your smartphone and email the file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline anytime, day or night, 24-7. And that number that's toll-free is 1-888-989-8752. Be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. If you've got a Tesla on its way to you in the month of December, maybe it's going to be a Model S, maybe a Model X, maybe even you're one of the Model 3 folks taking delivery and you happen to be in the Northern California area or picking up your car from the Tesla factory, you might want to consider Immaculate Reflections if you are thinking about paint correction, paint protection, all that stuff. Uh, you should look them up on IRdetailing.com, also on Yelp and Instagram at Immaculate underscore Reflections. Uh, again, they do c finest uh, ceramic coating. They do paint uh, new car delivery prep. They do uh, paint protection film, all that kind of good stuff to keep the uh, Tesla's paint not only looking its best, but staying its best. So again, IRdetailing.com, check out Immaculate Reflections there. If you're purchasing a Tesla, you can get yourself free unlimited lifetime supercharging by using my cousin Patrick's referral code. Why not? I mean, why not just get yourself a free bonus if you are in fact buying a, uh, a Model S or Model X? So the code which you can just put into your browser is ts.la slash patrick5008, or if you are in a store talking to a sales advisor, just give them the code patrick5008. Abstract Ocean, uh, it's been reported to me through them that the puddle lights have been extraordinarily popular. I think they're back in stock now, so those are the things that uh, use the, the bottom door light when you open... The Tesla door, any of the Tesla doors, uh, at nighttime, uh, they replace that you know general square light with a with a Tesla logo, either the T logo, the S logo, the X logo, or the three logo. You can get those at abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTL podcast as all one word RTL podcast to get twenty percent off of your first order if you're a repeat customer. Uh, it does not work. I wanted to clarify that. But 20% off of your first order. Not too shabby there. So thank you, Abstract Ocean. You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. You can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I want to thank the Patreon producers, Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Andreas Cohen, Sean Fournier, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, Lee Sweet, and Lars Hoffman. Thank you all so much for supporting me on Patreon at the $20 or higher level, which does get you that weekly mention of your name on the show. Uh, If you enjoy this podcast, you get a lot out of it, info, entertainment, week after week, Uh, I would greatly appreciate it if you would consider supporting my efforts on Patreon. There's no penalty if you do, but there's some good karma coming your way. Uh, There's no penalty if you don't, but there's good karma coming your way should you choose to do so. You can take a look at the Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash tesla podcast that's patreon spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n if you're not already subscribing to the podcast do so on your favorite podcast service be it itunes google play stitcher tune in or you can hit up the hosting site uh that i've got which is tesla-podcast.libsyn.com. libson is l-i-b-s-y-n You can get individual MP3 downloads there, listen to individual episodes there, or subscribe to the RSS feed there if uh, you are an RSS feed person. That wraps it up for this week of Ride the Lightning. As we head for the holidays, I will not be taking any vacations from the show. Most of you who have been listening for a while probably know that. Uh, I will be here. Hopefully there'll be something fun to talk about, but I'll be here even if it's... Even if I can only, even if it's only like a 20 or 30 minute show, I will be here. So uh, my goal is to never leave you without a show each week. So uh, happy holidays to everybody. It is officially the holiday season. So uh, may it be a happy, healthy, safe one for everybody here. Happy electric motoring. And I will see you back next week.